This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's fine. Whatever. I'm just a wuss. But yeah, I missed the XM hit. But no, I'm just mostly upset about... Very upset about having the Chiefs and Survivor when oh. no one else did, and it was—it's just so beyond annoying. You do it; it's infuriating in many levels, and uh, then the 49ers season, you know, effectively coming to an end. So, just a very annoying Sunday. But I'm glad Mine you came with notes. And prepared, Mine so. was worse. So that weekend, the Yankees get knocked out of playoffs. I owe you a hundred, although you still owe me money for the uh, League of Leagues win. So yeah, we need Will Will Brinson. I guess I need to hit up because they haven't been, been paid yet. But but yeah, we'll okay. do. But, you know, so LeBron wins his fourth title. We've been talking about that. We had, I made a really stupid bet uh, that LeBron would have under three and a half titles. And this was like five years into his career in Cleveland when he kept losing in the finals. But the stupidity of the bet wasn't that it was a bad value at the time. It was that I couldn't get paid till LeBron turns like 40 and officially retires, or whatever age he retires, and you could get paid at any time. The only reason why I would argue why that's whatever is that uh, is I've been waiting for you to complain about this again is Le- LeBron has appeared in something like 13.5% of NBA finals now. So I-, I would counter that's why it was also a bad bet by you is that he's really good. And you're lucky that this Warriors juggernaut didn't end this five years ago. Steph Curry throwing that sloppy pass behind the back. You know, that he might be just getting his third right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, I knew LeBron was great, but he had been to like five and gotten none and... You know, I mean, he did that fake team up with those two guys, you know, like basically built his own pickup team with yeah. Wade and Bosch, got two there. And then it was, then I knew I was in trouble once, once that happened. But anyway, it is what it is. That sucked. And I went five and nine against the spread. I lost my best bet. Although my best bet was going to be the Titans, but then I didn't know if that game would be played. So I didn't want to. Oh, I even mocked you for being like, how could you feel confident about that one? What a weird one to feel confident about. <laughs> yeah, <'cause>, because, <laughs> well, I mean, it was weird, you know, once like the schedule got disrupted, yeah. it got pushed to Tuesday. But yeah. I just thought like the Titans are at least as good as the Bills. They're getting a point at home. You know, and then I also lost in Survivor with the Chiefs, which sucked. Yeah. And the Giants lost. And those two, that team that I've been boasting about, the primetime team that's still 19th overall, uh, had Dak Prescott uh-huh. along with Nick Chubb. So... It's no longer oh, quite as good wow. as it was. I mean, I'm still going to try. And then my other, uh, my online team that's in like, I want to say 100th place overall, 4-1 and one in first place in the, in the league, also had Dak Prescott. So it was oh. just a brutal Sunday for me. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. it sucked. So, yeah. Fresh, yeah. Anyway. Horrible. Yeah, it, was, it just sucked all around. So like, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Did you see there was a New York Post article about Hunter Biden, so much respect for Hunter Biden. I mean, he's drug habit with like, uh, I don't know what, you know, there's all, Ted Bell's got a really good deep dive into what the Burisma thing actually is. And it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's, it's corruption as you'd expect it, you know, where the, the son of a prominent politician, the vice president gets paid a lot of money to, to help influence things through uh, the power of the U S government Anyway, all this stuff's kind of coming out, and the New York Post had an article on it. But Ted Bell tried to retweet it, as, as many people did, and Twitter is Twitter's, not letting you yeah. retweet factual reporting about Hunter Biden. This isn't like some QAnon shit. This is like just factual reporting about the Democratic candidate's son and how it ties into corruption in the Obama administration. And it's just not allowed to be retweeted. 
And you have guys at Facebook and Twitter, people who worked for different Democratic senators, congressmen, in different positions, in these positions of, I don't know their official titles, but basically social media censorship is their disinformation elimination, you know, whatever the, I don't know what the official title is, as I said, but I mean, this is fucked up. And they're like, oh, it's a private company, but this is not true. And as uh, this guy I follow, Michael Krieger pointed out, that like yeah, he's great. Twitter and Facebook consult with like the WHO on like what material should be censored. So they're working with government to, to censor material. It's not like they just are some private. It's not like you go to Rotowire and we only want to talk about sports. This is, these are, this is the public square and they work with government. This is just blatant. And you and I have talked about this before, but it's just an article from New York. You know, the New York Post is the fourth most trafficked newspaper in the United States. Wow, no, that's surprising. That definitely is surprising. In- interesting. They're like, and they even still come up with like some like uh, funny kind of salacious. They they play with headlines. You know, they kind of mess around in that aspect. Well, I still, I did a, not realize that. It's, not a, it's you know, most of it's not like a serious paper. Not serious. Rep- right? yeah, neither is the New York Times anymore, so it right. doesn't matter. Well, right, 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 right. But I mean, they don't even try to be. Is my point? Like they're, they try to make uh, you know funny headlines or whatever. It's more tabloidy. But the point is yeah. that we're getting to a dangerous place where. You are not allowed to evaluate information if the right people feel it's harmful. Not if it's, first of all, you should be able to evaluate false information. I, I barely draw the line anywhere, but in terms of you know misinformation, conspiracy theories, all of that sh- stuff should be legal. And when you have actual reporting on a incredibly relevant to the election situation yeah, in, in Ukraine with Burisma, whether, I mean... You know, it's not about whether, oh, this this is true or false, because the facts, there are many facts reported that end up being false later, like the whole Russiagate fiasco. But, and there's many facts that are true, but without context, they look a lot worse than they are, a lot better than they are. I mean, there's a lot of spin that happens in these things. So it's not about just the facts themselves. There's a lot of fudging that goes on in, in the New York Times and Washington Post and all the the most reputable papers do it. They choose what to report on. They choose what to ignore. No one's reporting on Assange. Nobody's reporting on the rise of Bitcoin in these mainstream. You know, nobody's reporting on the real news in the world, actually. But that's a choice, right? But that's fine. They're, they're allowed to report or not report on what they choose. But the fact that yeah. this is actually being reported by a, news, a newspaper at the fourth largest circulation and you cannot retweet it. I mean, this is... You know, this is we're getting to some... Serious 1984 shit. That's bad. Um, all right, here's a headline: New York Post, September. Robert Kraft likely to get off in Florida massage parlor case. Anyway, that still does not discredit this specific uh, this case here. Now, what, what? How bad is it? Look for Hunter Biden. Like, what, how incriminating is it? I respect that Kraft headline, by the way. But yeah, I mean, that, yeah, they're they're goofy. But what? Again, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to stand for the New York Post's journalism. I'm just saying that this is a reported story. No, totally. Large totally. Paper and side the point. And, I, and, and, and hearing that makes me, by the way, like so upset. Like almost, it makes it would it would, it would admit it would seemingly make people vote the other way, which is a dumb reason to, and obviously not a right reason to. But hearing just just having that be so blatantly, uh, it's annoying. I don't know. What do you what do you do about that? How do you counter that? Social media through which we communicate with large amounts of people is they're engaged in disinformation. They're engaged in selective, they're editing your, your what's available to you. Now you should get rid of Google and go to DuckDuckGo because Google will not, you, you know, you typed in Biden dementia or something and very different results. DuckDuckGo just came out of some report. I thought of you saying something about Google banning them, like uh, whatever shadow. Somehow you can't even find DuckDuckGo right. through well, their searches. Just go to DuckDuckGo.com and, so start to, to go off of it. But the problem with Twitter is, and this is a, a vulnerability, is that you know I have my followers, you have your followers. I communicate with people. I get great info from it. I get great yep. uh, feedback on how to raise a puppy and things like that that I don't know about. A guy on uh, T-Mobile told me that I was complaining about spam calls. And he actually said, <laughs> oh, I work at T-Mobile, and, and, and here's how you block that. And you know, That's great. That's a huge resource. And the whole point of social media is peer-to-peer, right? Like, I don't need the New York Times to tell me some bullshit. I can follow Ted Bell, who's going to go and get to the source documents 
about the Russiagate thing and I can know the truth. I don't, I don't need somebody who's um, a disinformation agent to mediate between me and the facts. And that's amazing and it's very troubling and they're obviously terrified and overreacting to this. But when, you know, when the algorithm, I mean, I don't have an algorithm, I have chronological, but when you're not even allowed to see certain information, then this is a vulnerability in my information yeah. ecosystem. I mean, it's a vulnerability for me personally. Now, usually I find it because I follow people that will emphasize it even more when they do something like this, but you know, maybe I'll be the next one that they're like, oh, this guy's putting out disinformation about the election. Yeah, no, it's incredibly frustrating to see so blatantly happen like that just to block information. Um, yeah, it's only getting worse, obviously, and they're just choosing sides. So obviously it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what's, uh, what to expect, really. I mean, where, how far do they take it? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's obviously a slippery slope that's not headed in the right direction. It's just that I rely on Twitter quite a bit. Right. No, exactly. For me, personally, personally, I won't. I won't even just, yeah, right. Okay. I, I just personally, I just don't let it bother you. You know, just realize that what you're on is, uh, you know, biased towards something. But I mean, really, I, I personally, I don't care. I still go on Google or whatever. You don't and you're, you're next level, but you, you think Twitter's probably worth it, worth it to you, the, the pros and cons. It's definitely worth it to me for now because there hasn't been a viable substitute, but disturbing to me that you realize how reliant you are on these platforms they could eliminate you any second for telling the truth. It's, it's really so speaking fun. of which, Square just spent $50 million in Bitcoin. So I like that. I want to love this company. Yeah, no, Square is great. I shouldn't, the stock is at 190 or 180 or something. I sold it at 60 four, five months ago. So I'm a little annoyed at that. I don't know what, uh, what's his name? Jack, uh, guy Dorsey. Name? Jack Dorsey Jack. is doing with this speech shit. I don't know what's wrong with him or if he's involved in it or he's sort of like his underlings do it, but obviously he's ultimately accountable. Yeah, he's even getting into it with the Coinbase Armstrong guy, who I did the opposite. And he said, we're not, you know, we're, we're completely staying apolitical. And 60 people took a severance package. From Coinbase. Yeah, but Coinbase, Coinbase and, is a scumbag and Jack, company. Not because of that. Not because of that. And, I, that to me, he's just saying, like, we don't want to get involved in politics. Right. But, and, but I was just saying Jack stepped up and Jack, you know, called him out for that. Oh, I thought it was the other CEO, the former CEO, uh, no, Dan, believe- Dan Costello said, you'll be the people we shoot or something. You'll be the first one shot in the revolution. And it might be the case too, but I believe Jack oh, and Armstrong also. got into it a little, yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, Brian Armstrong, I don't respect. If you read like the, the hardcore Bitcoiners, they think Coinbase is just a scam. Like they have all these shitty altcoins that they know people are going to go bankrupt with and they just make fees off of those. And, it's, uh, and they also like give all their customer data to these chain analysis sites to help the government find out who has what big, like, like Coinbase is the antithesis of Bitcoin, at least as far as I've read. So I'm not Mm -hmm. a Brian Armstrong fan, but there's nobody who can be an arbiter of this. They can be an arbiter of what's, again, the only thing should be is, is is stuff that's criminal, you know, like attacking, threatening somebody, you know, where they live, things like that, you know, stuff that's harmful in the, in the real world, you know, libel, not, uh, not information people think is false. That's just dangerous. I had a couple other things, but we'll get to Bitcoin because that was one of the things uh, on my mind. Uh, I have a post and it's interesting, you know, so I have this dog and like I'm trying to train him to do stuff and he wants me, you know, he doesn't always go along with it. And if he whines or does stuff, like he's trying to get you to respond. And so like, am I training him or is he training me? I always have to ask that question because if he whines and whines and whines, I'm like, okay, okay, what's wrong? He's training me to come when he whines. He's training me to be like, oh, what's the problem? What do you need? Whereas mm-hmm. if I sure. am praising him when he does something that I want and ignoring him when he does something I don't want, now I'm training him. So we have this battle, right? He's trying to get his preferences. I'm trying to get him to move to my preferences. And it just occurred to me because I'll be like doing stuff to like calm him down. I'm like, wait, wait, who's training whom? And I was thinking about this in the context of the Alan Seslowski question of what do you say when someone says, you know, how can you not vote for Biden? And, you know, you have to do this. It's the right thing. And da, da, da. And I was thinking that isn't, I mean, isn't the point of voting being like, I prefer a certain set of policies and preferences. And I'm going to pick the guy who's going to represent me and do what I hope, he, you know, what I hope to see happen. Like, I'm, yeah. you work for me. I, I live here and I want you to take care of something that's important to me. 
So I'm training you, politician. You get my vote if you do the right thing. If you don't, if you don't, that's it. I'm training you. But when they come to you and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, none of the politicians who are going to be elected give a fuck about you. They're not going to do really anything that you want. But thing is, you're going to have to live with that because the other guy is so much worse. They're training you. And then you, fucking nutless monkey that you are, turn around and tell other people, you must do this. And I say, well, why? He voted for the Iraq war. He helped put a million black people in jail with the Clinton crime bill. He's got corruption in his own family that they don't even want to investigate. He, I think, has some stage of dementia. Kamala Harris, you know, we've been over this. I don't like what he does. I don't want to vote for him. And they say, well, that's not what's important. You need to vote for this person or else. They're trying to train me to live with their person rather than me training them to do my, to do what I would like to see done. So who is training whom? That's the whole question. I'm trying to train the dog to, to live in a house in an apartment and not piss and shit everywhere. These guys are like, I'm going to piss and shit everywhere and you're going to clean that fucking shit up. Otherwise, I'm going to scream and you're going to get evicted. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to clean up my piss and shit all day. Otherwise, I'm going to fucking bark and wail and you're going to get evicted. That's what's going to happen. Okay? It's only going to, you know, do it my way or it's only going to be worse. That's what they're fucking telling you. So when somebody comes to you who's been brainwashed and trained by his dog or by the politician who's less than a dog, who's worth way less than a dog, and has been trained by that fucking apparatus and comes to you and says... Um, you need to do this. Look at them and be like, no, 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 dude. I don't think you've, I think you've got it backwards. They need to do what I prefer if they want the vote. Otherwise I'm going to be a trained, I'm going to get trained by my dog just like you are. So yeah, I was going to say, don't be the Chris list dog owner. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any counter for that one though? Is the other question, but I hear you, man. I'm doing, I'm writing for myself for the, how you've been behaving with the puppy. How, How have you countered that? Oh, I, I've caught myself and I've, you know, I've let him whine and stuff. And I, and I, I clap really loud if I don't want him to do something and it scares him for a second. And, and he associates that, that clap. So you with, have fought back. You have not been. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I, of course I fought back. I don't want the puppy. Yeah, of course I, you are. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no I hear you, man. I'm, I hear you. I'm, I'm almost certainly writing in uh, for my, for my vote. So yeah, I hear you. But it's, but it's not just what you do. It, it, it's, you know, it's just a framing of it. It's like, you know, who's training whom? They have trained the electorate to think yeah, like, like pundits. Oh, well, yeah, you, yeah. You, oh, you like Tulsi Gabbard? Yeah, the thing is, she's not going to get the vote. So assuming she's not going to get it, who you're going to vote for, who could probably win? They're training you to think like, you know, Nate Silver or something. Like, it's your job to figure out who's going to win. Like, they've trained you now to do, like, strategic voting. Like, oh, I got to think about it. Dude, no, I, that's not how it works. I'm not a pundit. I'm a citizen. I vote for who I prefer, period. That's it. End of story. You work out who's going to win or what other people are going to do. That's not my problem. I'm training the politician to do my bidding. The whole thing is insane. People act like they're pundits. They say, oh, no, dude, you can't vote for this person. There's no chance. The Kantian act only on that maxim you would will to be a universal law. I'm voting for the person I think should win, that everybody should vote for. Everybody else is not my problem. I don't control what other people do. And if everybody thought the way I did, then Tulsi Gabbard could and maybe would win. It's just that they've bought into this training so they don't even vote for who they want anymore. They don't even pick the person they would actually want to win because they've been trained not to even consider their own preferences and only to consider the preferences of the party. And what's the party? The party is the interests, the special interests that fund it, that bankroll it, the banks, the military, industrial contractors, all this shit. That's who's bank, the big, you know, pharmaceutical companies. That's who you're voting for. And they've trained you to think as though you're a pundit on TV, figuring out like what's most likely to happen. How can I, I mean, it's, beyond backwards and people you're right about the training because just logically it makes sense what you you know originally say your 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 thinking it seems to me would be the default thinking of course it would be who i want you know that would be the default i want the puppy to behave i want it to to live in the house and you know in harmony with the house i want the politician to do what i think is important i don't want to have a war where we kill a bunch of people and bankrupt ourselves doing committing horrors upon horrors that doesn't benefit me at all. I don't want that. But if you did that, if you're Biden, you voted for the Iraq war. Sorry, you don't get my vote, man. That's just how it works. 
And if, if nobody who voted for the Iraq war ever got voted for for public office ever again, no matter how much money was thrown at it and how much they made it seem like the other guy was worse, there would be no more wars. There would not be wars unless the wars could be rewarded. But we're rewarding these fucking assholes. Guy kills half a million people, votes to kill it. It's a total disaster. And, and the last two Democratic candidates voted for that shit, lobbied for it, voted for it. I mean, it's like, it's absolutely insane that anyone's even considering rewarding that, that dog with the treat after it's shit all over your fucking house. It's insane that people are considering that. It is absolutely insane. Well, not only that, the media is reporting that it's a blowout, which is my next question to you. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, and even the betting markets. I mean, it is, uh, I know you don't want to make predictions, but the media would make it seem, I'm curious if they're just, if they're polling, the polls are a con job or if it truly is just a, a blowout waiting to happen. The voter turnout is going to be through the roof or what, 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 are, you, what are you expecting here? I don't know. I, I have no idea what's actually going to happen. I don't know, you know, with these mail-in mailing ballots that aren't absentee where it's one-to-one. I don't know with COVID what's going to happen in terms of the the turnout. Um, I don't know that the, I don't think the polling is reliable because I don't think people tell the truth. I don't think that people answer their phones. I'm not even sure how polling's done these days. Who the hell would answer their phones for a number they don't know? Talk to a pollster about anything. I don't know. They could be right, but the media has so little credibility. They were totally wrong the last time they were saying the same thing was a blowout. So, I, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you, you know, don't even care that much either. So <clears throat> it's kind of beside the point for you, in, really. But it's going to be a shit show. That's that much yeah, I'm I just, certain of. That much I'm certain I, of. I just, you know, whatever happens, I want it to be hopefully like the votes get counted. Hopefully it's, you know, it's not going to be not messy, but maybe it's a little messy, but within the... You see people... People setting up all kinds of boxes here in fake California. Ones. Yeah, I mean they're not like yeah they're not by the government, but they're supposed yeah they're fake. But right, but they're you know supposedly to to help the process, quote unquote. But um, it's, yeah, it's not, I don't it's, know. Forty five of the fifty states have never or not prepared like in their database well, have never done this before. So like I mean there are five states that are prepared and the absentee. Those are you know those are fine. But man, there's a lot of yeah, the, the absentee has been done a long time. I think that's, you know, yeah, exactly. That's fine. But, that's no, but the, no the mail in one, some guy got ballots mailed to his dead parents. I'm not saying that's even fraud. It's just an error. You know, it's not like for sure. If for they sure. died in the last couple of months, how would they know? You know, it's just, they send it to him, but it's, it just can introduce a lot of errors and there's probably ways to exploit those errors. And, and also, do you want people waiting around in long lines during COVID right now too? I, mean, no, I, I mean, don't know. There's, there's not no, good answers here. I mean, and obviously the, the right way to do it is, you know, when you, when you bank, or you send money, there's protections in place so that only you get to send that money and it arrives in someone else's account and it's pretty reliable. And we should have an electronic system that sound like that, but then you get into the whole thing of electronic systems are even easier to hack because there's no paper trail. And it's just, it's just incredibly difficult. And the government, even if they tried to build that, would fail like when they rolled out Obamacare and it was like a total tech disaster for a long time. It's just, it, it's not something that you want the government to build and it's, it's a tough problem. So I, I don't know the answer to the problem. I just hope that however it does go down, that there is a quick enough resolution that's pl- believable enough to both sides that you might be pissed. The ideal way, which is not going to happen, is that someone wins, someone loses. The other side's obviously pissed that it's not their person. But there's not a whole lot of, like, at least when Trump won in 2016, they made up this whole bullshit Russia thing. But in terms of the ballot counting and stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of issue with that, right? Like, Trump won, got the votes, the electoral votes, and that was that, right? Nobody disputed that. It was like they made up a Russia story, but they didn't, at least, like, there was no doubt of who actually won on the electoral votes. And it feels like both sides are going to, you know, probably argue this, this, this is the problem this is if it's not accepted, you know, like they accepted he won and then they tried to like undo it, but, and it caused a lot of problems and it's still causing problems, but at least like we weren't arguing the, <laughs> it's a lot worse when you start arguing like the actual mechanics of the vote itself, because right. that's not really resolvable, right? Like it's, I don't know, that, that would be bad. And I, I think there's a, a very good chance that that's where we end up is that the actual mechanics are in dispute. Yeah, and that's going to be a problem. More civil unrest. Um, but I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to dwell on that so much. I was more just, you know, 
who's training whom. That was what I wanted to get. Yeah, no, I like that analogy, dude. That's really good. That's a good, it's good. I like it a lot. Um, and why are we burying the lead here? I, I'm going to mess up his name, but Safety's meat article, man. I mean, that was, uh, I had already earmarked because he, he had, he had teased it the night before. So I was waiting for it, but I do appreciate you passing it on and oh, everyone should, should. Amos, he's a bit of a zealot. He's a bit like too much, too far, but it's still, uh, a I, lot. I don't know. I don't know if he's, if he's wrong necessarily. And he's a, a, he's a Bitcoin info, and meat eating zealot, but a lot of good info about cooking bone broth and how to grill a steak and that like, are you going to buy one of those grills that's like 1500 bucks or whatever? Well, no, no, no. Well, no, I didn't get the grill, but I uh, literally already uh, bought the cinder, the cinder one. That's the, the, the sous vide basically without water. It's oh, like, right. I'm so excited for it. It's a, basically a grill in my kitchen that's going to cook through my, through your phone, like sous vide. So easy, the easiest thing ever. And it even measures like the, the size of the steak and it'll cook the exact degrees exactly you want. So in other words, cooking for dummies, just like me. So yes, I have a cinder that's I'm pre-ordered. I'm on a five week waiting list. But the second I read that done and done. So yes, you're right. He's a little bit maybe overboard. Um, although there's a lot of uh, evidence as far as like the vegetables and poison and all that oh, stuff. But I, um, I, 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 already I agree with him on the nutrition. I, I just, the, the, the cancers and, and meat and stuff. I already sent that article to, to my mom and stuff, and, and I uh, highly recommend it. Well, I, so then I have this other idea. This is a crazy idea. But, uh, you know, if, you, if after reading that article, I was thinking that... Oh, to the kids. The kids. I like how you accidentally sent me that and you want to send it to Heather because I'm like, oh, I'm sending this to Carly immediately. The, the, <laughs> the hopes of stopping the kids to eat the sugar by, by feeding them with meat. Okay, so that little thing, right? So you give your kids meat, and then if they're going to a birthday party with a lot of cake, they've eaten a bunch of... A couple of you know burgers and no buns, and they're they're full and they're satiated of the meat, and they may have a piece of cake, but they're not going to eat five pieces of cake because they're not like eating bagels in the morning and cereal, and then they just want more and more carbohydrates that they're hooked on. But I was thinking about this that if you've ever just eaten meat or fasted for a few days, and you're in ketosis where you're just burning fat and you're not uh, burning sugars anymore, and you switch to that mode of uh, of energy uh, consumption. You know, you, you do, your brain gets really calm and you, you get less agitated and less, you don't have all the sort of effects from grains and sugars that your body has, you know, the plants have all sorts of anti-nutrients and you do feel more calm. And he was talking about that in the article also. And I started thinking about the Adam and Eve Genesis story and, you know, Adam and Eve are living in this garden of Eden, this paradise. And then Eve, what does she give him? She gives him carbohydrates. She gives him the apple. And everyone seems to think like, oh, people take that Adam and Eve story way too literally. I mean, it's not like the earth was created in the Garden of Eden 6,000 years ago and a serpent. I mean, they're taking it way too literally, these people. No, it's just an allegory. It's just a myth. It's about the fall from innocence. It's about blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, maybe they're not taking it literally enough. Like maybe literally. It was like we were like nomadic peoples eating meat and hunting. And even though it was a hard, cold, you know, you didn't necessarily live very long, there was like that complete peace. You know, you just were like an animal in a way. You were like an enlightened animal where you just uh, were at peace with your environment. You, you were navigated. And then we started to settle and farm and app fruit and carbohydrates. And I was thinking about it in the context of the dogs. I was like, who's training whom? A fruit tree, who's training whom with the fruit tree? The fruit tree wants to reproduce. That's its mission. Yep. So right. it wants to make sugary fruits that you'll consume and either defecate out the seeds and fertilize a new tree or spit out the seeds. You know, in a peach pit, you're not going to swallow, but you'll make, carry the peach a good distance from the mother tree and drop it somewhere and it'll grow a new tree. And so like the, the fruit tree wants to train you to eat it and distribute its, its seeds so it can reproduce. Uh, and we think, oh, we're training the tree. Like we're, we, we plant these trees. We, they're delicious. We breed them. But all we're doing is poisoning ourselves with all these carbohydrates, and then the tree is training us to eat. And not just us, all the mammals. It's not just humans. It's bears and whatever else. Now, bears, now, it's not totally right because bears will eat a ton of fruit, get super fat, and then hibernate for three months without eating, and they need that fat. But the point is that I started thinking about the, uh, the Adam and Eve myth with the apple mm. as who's training whom, right? You know, this is when we got, you know, when we got hooked on carbohydrates, and a lot of people who do the research in the carbohydrates is carbohydrates and sugars, you know, the sugars, that is the archetypal addiction. You get addicted to sugars and then you get addicted to other substances. And, but the addiction is the sugar. The craving is for the sugar. The temptation is for the sugar. And so it's almost as though we sort of fell from a, a paradise of, of non-addictive 
sort of uh, oneness with the environment. And then we, you know, so anyway, I just, I just thought it was, I don't necessarily think that's true, but I thought, wow, what if they're just not taking it literally? It's literally the carbohydrates that Eve gives Adam, and then he gets, you know, becomes this neurotic, uh, nutrient-depleted uh, <laughs> loser instead of the badass sort of demigod that he was in the Garden of Eden. And then conversely, vegetables are like naturally making poisons to fight off predators, right? That's right, you know, because they can't run. So how does a, a, a plant not get devoured? Well, it has all these like bitter alkaloids. And it's why, uh, you know, it's why kale and broccoli, you know, they kind of taste poisonous. Hard to digest. Yeah, and but sometimes hard to digest. They're really I mean, hard to I, digest. I, eat, go eat some raw broccoli. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I've just naturally... Um, when I've fit, gotten full, I've separated the meat from uh, bread and my sand, uh, and I always finished the meat first since I was a kid. So I just feel like naturally my body's it fell that way. And as you said, it's gone from the that's how you know it's always been with humans. So and right. ghee, by the way, great addition to the coffee every single day. That is a huge good great call with that. Alan like, as well has joined the. the yes, yeah, says doing it. You know, I mean, it's vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K. It's great vitamins. It's really good for your digestion and. It just in your it tastes good. It's it's like putting cream in your coffee. So uh, the Bitcoin standard is the guy who who wrote this this yeah. meat thing, and you said you wanted to talk a little more Bitcoin too. Yeah, so but not because of him. I don't love that guy. I, I like the meat article just because it's very detailed and and the, and he's influenced a lot of people. And it's a legit book, but there's something about that guy I don't really like. He's a little bit of a zealot for my taste. Uh, just in, just the, his whole manner is like so hardcore. He, so, he interviewed the sailor guy, the yeah. guy, you know, MicroStrategy and all that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion of Safety, but I, 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 whatever. I'm in on Bitcoin and meat, so I guess yeah. I like him. Yeah. No, I mean, I, he's obviously made contributions to it. Uh, all right. I will talk about Bitcoin. So a while ago, I don't know how long ago, but Heather doesn't want to know about Bitcoin. She's nervous that I've, you know, invested in it. And, and she asked me one, at one point, and it just occurred to me, she's like, you know, what, kind, why, what makes you think that you know that this is going to you know, be something when so many smart people, I mean, professionals on Wall Street and people have done this their whole lives, people who know about trading and value, uh, totally disagree with you, think you're absolutely out of your mind. What, why would you be so sure? Like, who are you to, to, to know this? You don't know this. This is just something you think. And I, I thought about it and it just came to me the other day. I was like, well, I have an edge over them. And that edge is curiosity. See, I don't think... I feel like anybody who really goes down the rabbit hole is going to get there. But it's so easy to dismiss it or go down like a little bit of the rabbit hole, like a little cup, you know, a foot in there and look, at, look around and say, nah, this is, this is fake. This is nothing. It's so easy to dismiss it without getting into it. If you're not that curious about it, you're going to hear about it. It's this like, you know, internet money and, you know, there's a cap supply for some algorithm and these guys use energy to prove these, uh, you know, what, what the hell? Now, nah, this is crap. I'm, I'm going to put real money into this thing. No, I'm going to invest in a company that makes stuff that people buy. I'm going to invest in real estate. I'm going to invest in, you know, gold if I'm just, you know, that worried about things. But they don't go down the rabbit hole of what's fiat currency. And a lot of them do know what fiat currency is, but they're just sort of like, look, this is what we have. There's no, gold doesn't work. It's not transportable easily. It's, you have to verify that it's real. You, you shave off pieces of it to buy something. It's not going to, it's not practical. They think this currency, you know, the gold standard is sailed and, and this is what we're dealing with and it may not be the U.S. dollar, but it's going to be something like this. That's, you know, digital currency, whatever. But that's as far as they go. And my edge over them is I'm dissatisfied with the system. A lot of these smart people are very satisfied. They're very smug, self-satisfied about how well they've done. And they're like, well, you know, this is, this is, this is the best we can do. And I think that it's that curiosity, that attitude of dissatisfaction and curiosity that is the edge, that gets people to go and really look into it deeply. And then most of the smart people that I know, when they make that effort, and you're only going to make the effort if you're curious, because it takes a little, some effort, th then they end up agreeing. I, I don't really know anyone who's gone down all the way and is like, no, that'll never happen. Interesting because I uh, feel the same way, man. I, there's a couple people that are very smug about it, uh, against it, and um, and at first it, I 
I'm definitely get upset about it. I like I want to, I want to beat, I want to be right about it as much as I want to make money uh, when I hear people like that. But yeah, otherwise really smart people um, originally would make me question myself, but now I'm more landing on along the lines of, Oh wow, you, you are, I guess curious is a good way of putting it. But I would just say to myself, Oh, you have not educated yourself on this. That's too bad. And then I move on as, as opposed to, uh, you know, worrying about the opinion on it. So curiosity is a good way of putting that. And I think that is the difference of people, yeah, who just are kind of isn't just curiosity the edge in, it away. in everything in business in it's like oh I really wanted to know why air yards you know whatever it is you know like really looked into this like what's why is this not working or why and you find something that someone else doesn't find because they they weren't curious about it like they didn't curiosity is the motivation for you know interest and curiosity is the motivation for the research the real work and if you, if you don't have the curiosity you're not going to find out. And so you can be very smart and curious about other things or not curious because you've got it all figured out or whatever, but you're not going to get there. And I've just yet to see anyone who really truly can explain it better than I can, who can do that and still says, no, it's not, you know, it's not going to happen. And they might say, I don't know when or if it's going to happen, but at least that it's plausible and it makes it's a better solution. It makes better sense. It's funny that you say air yards because Josh Hermsmeyer is one of the people I was talking about. He's, I mean, he's a really interesting Twitter follow and really smart and opinionated and he's against it. And, um, and he's very smug about it. And, uh, like I said, not just football, he doesn't even play fantasy football. He's a, he's a really smart person and he's against it. But it's funny that you say air yards. His site's just back up this week. Shout out to airyards.com. Um, government. I, I don't even follow that guy. So it's just totally coincidental that yeah. I, that I yeah, said that. Funny. Oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. that. Oh, that, I when, know when, that. that I know. when you come up with something yeah. and I don't even know the air yards is that great, but it's, it's, you know, a good way to, it's a smart way to look at it yeah. for opportunity. Uh, but I, my, my point is just that curiosity is, I mean, it's, it's like, it's be- bigger than curiosity. It's like deep interest driven by curiosity to understand something. And you would never bother unless you felt there was something deeply off about the current system. Like you have to feel so dissatisfied right. with it. And then right. people are saying, no, this, right. this Bitcoin fixes this, that meme, you know, it's like, well, how does it fix this? What do they mean by that? And, and, but like your, your curiosity's peaked because you know, there's a lot of stuff that is irreparable in the current system. You know, people want, you know, social justice. They want justice. They want fairness. And you see how the current system is impossible. And then you see a system where it is possible. And, and so you get curious, is this real? Like, what is this? How did it actually work? And the deeper you go, the more you're like, this might actually work. <clears throat> now, having said that, I don't know how far you want to take this answer list, but uh, is the government coming for it? And this Matt Odell guy has me terrified right now. So uh, I believe you follow him as well. So the government. What are your thoughts on on that and Bitcoin stepping in, it's stepping in? I mean, obviously, it's great news that all these other government, foreign governments, and they're it's treating it like a currency. But I mean, not your keys, not your Bitcoin is an interesting question right now. Yeah. Well, there there will be. I mean, you know, the CIA and NSA and all they monitor threats to national security, but that usually means threats to the powerful factions that they serve, not really like the ordinary Joe. I don't think they really care, but it's, you know, threats to the factions that occupy and control the government. And, and obviously the, the nicest uh, real estate in cities who control the government and they're trying to protect that. And if you look at threats like China or Russia or terrorism or obviously COVID, whatever, um, those are all kind of on the radar and they worry about them and they hype some of it up for political reasons and some of it's real. But the bigger threat to the the powerful is is the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency. And some people argue that the reason Gaddafi was murdered, um, nice job, Hillary and Obama, uh, now there's slavery in Libya, like literal slavery, uh, was because I think Gaddafi was talking about selling oil for gold uh, and not just the petro, the U.S. dollar. Right. And so was Saddam Hussein, Hussein, I believe. They would say, oh, it's what they did to their people. It's democracy and freedom. But that's bullshit because there's so many places in the world, dictatorships and horrors that are going on that we're indifferent to. You know, we don't, we're not invading them because the, the leader is bad to the people. That's, that's not a reason the U.S. would get involved. But that the reason we even deal with this stuff is because the threat, you know, if, 
if other countries were able to buy oil with, with, with gold or, or non-dollars, settle certain things in non-dollars, the dollar's status as reserve currency uh, would be under threat. And that is a huge, huge basis for the U.S. having so much power. It's one of the bases for it, the military. Yeah, I didn't realize how universal the U.S. dollar was. I guess, I mean, usually I think everything revolves around me, but I didn't realize it quite. It's, it is the, the dominant throughout the entire world. Yeah, the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency, meaning just beyond Argentina can't pay its debts. It's got to take you know, it's got to take out loans and dollars. They're not going to Argentine pesos are not going to cut it when they're paying back a debt. You know, no one wants those. They can print them and nobody wants them. So I, I think that in terms of a threat to that power center. It's massive. It's bigger than all those threats combined. So I do think right. they. <laughs> You're not making me feel better here, Liz. Well, well, so I do think there's going to be this massive thing. But the Satoshi, whoever he was, I think kind of figured it out. And by distributing this all over the world, made sort of a game theory situation where it's going to be very hard to shut down for a number of reasons. It's already probably the ship has sailed because. If Square's buying 50 million, when's Apple going to buy 5 billion? Apple has how many billions worth of cash on its balance sheet? If they want to buy 5 billion, which is, you know, what, 10% of its cash, or I don't know how much, they might have more than that. That's not a big deal. Eh, just diversify just in case. Well, I mean, that's going to send the price to the roof. And then if they do it, then everybody else has to do it right away because you want to get in when it's 11,000, not 100,000, right? I mean, you're going to have a lot more of it on your balance sheet. So, as soon as, you know, they call this a speculative attack, as soon as companies and private investors demand having some of this stuff as a hedge, it's over. You can't shut it down because everybody owns it, including people who are in the government. Okay. You know, so like, what are you right. going to, how can you shut it down? And then even if they were to somehow shut it down, uh, probably demand extreme KYC, know your customer, you know, every, you know, try to track all of it. Right. Uh, and they made it burdensome or shut it down somehow in the US. Like, then what if Russia starts buying a ton of it, the country itself, you know, or China. Then or we'd Iran, be behind. Iran. Yeah. Then, yeah. If, if Iran, then, yeah. Iran puts in $20 billion into it and it goes to $100,000 or whatever, you know, it goes to 50000 the U.S. is like, uh-oh, if this yeah, thing goes huge, yeah. then Iran's going to be the richest yeah. country in the world. Then we're going right, to be fucked. Right, right. You know, it, it just becomes a game theory thing where it's like you better get some now because if you don't, you know, you're going to be getting it and enriching the people that already have it. And so this this... As soon as it catches on enough, it's like a fire that can't be contained. So you're like saying, well, they might try to put out this fire, but like the fire is not containable. And we know that fires that are, you know, even in California, it's hard to, it's not like, oh, well, the government will just put out the fire. Well, it's really hard. <laughs> and if the thing is spreading and growing exponentially. It seems to be, yeah, it seems like it's, it's yeah, it's, so it's, it's point of no return. I'm not like. saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that, well, yeah, at some point it's the point of no return. We might already be there. Yeah. All right. So I, I know you're, you're a big fan of internet memes, but one actually, uh, the one saying like, how's it going or how it was and how's it going? There was one of Hal Finney saying owning Bitcoin or whatever 20 years ago. And now, you know, it's whatever the bull or whatever he, he, you know, he tweeted that or whatever long time ago, him and Craig, I think, or the, uh, uh, possibly Satoshi, but, um, no, no, interesting no, no, stuff. Man. No, you mean him and Nick Zabo. Yes, I do. I do. Not Craig is yeah, the fraud. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yes, like, I do mean Nick that Zabo. guy. I think yeah. might even be like a, a psyop, like a CIA, you know, like trying to, like they probably did stuff like that. Like a lot of these things, like what Bitcoin cash, how is that even a thing? Like all these scams, don't you think like if you're the government, you'd want to like create a lot of fake copies and say, this is the real one. I mean, that would be like a good way to try to destroy it. Just make a whole bunch of fraud around the whole thing and nobody really knows what's what. Right. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. Sorry that I got spared your name with Craig. Um, all right. Want to talk some football? Oh yeah. I want to talk one other thing. So and I talked about this on the XM show briefly, but you know, when Prescott got hurt and I just lost the Chiefs like you, I said, oh, great. Two hours after my Survivor season ended, now my fantasy season's over. And a couple people, not like, you know, not like large oh. accounts. It wasn't like the uh, uh, school is kid storage uh, tweet where like, <laughs> there are people of larger accounts like being, this guy is such, this is the worst, you know. But this was another one where it was like okay. people trying to shame me for... Dak has a horrible injury and trying to be like, oh, this guy's tweeting about his fantasy team. What a douchebag. And I just went off because, first off, fuck off, right? Like, I care about my fantasy team and you care about yours, you lying sack of shit. Everybody who works, you know, waiver wires and preps and does, you care about this. You care about it. It matters to you, period. Okay. 
I didn't say it's not important that Dak got hurt. I didn't say that. I just was speaking about my fantasy. That's all. And it's the same mentality of people who are like, oh, you care that sports are starting? It's fucking pandemic, man. Why do you care that sports are starting? That's so small-minded of you to worry about that. And it's like, no, I'm interested in sports. I love watching sports. My job happens to be about sports, but even if it weren't, I would still want sports to start. You know, and you could say, oh, you care about Dak Prescott's ankle? They're starving children in Africa, man. How can you, you, you don't care about the kids in Africa? You're tweeting about some multimillionaire who's going to get a very high quality surgery and probably be fine next year. You care about that, about his stats and the record that he might have broken if he had stayed healthy? Of course you can care about that. Of course that's horrible for Dak. Of course it's rooting for a player that you like and being upset that he's injured is, is legit. So is caring about your fantasy team. You don't fucking tell me I can't care about this or that or whatever. It's not like I was disparaging Dak or saying, you know, uh, anything negative about him at all. The other point is, like, people think that when they scold someone for saying the wrong thing or, ooh, that's really bad, you know, that's really bad. Now's not the time, man, you know. They think they're, like, scoring a point and, like, doing the right thing. But I just want people to know when you do that, all the intelligent people, I don't mean intelligent and, like, I mean all the, the wiser people are, like, you're a fucking douchebag. That's what they're thinking when you do that. Every single one of them. They're like, oh, this guy. I mean, put it this way. If shit got bad, you know, if, if the markets crashed, and forget about markets, but like if the economy got bad and there was real unrest and it was dangerous and supply chains were, were halted, would you trust the guy, the goofy guy who was tweeting about his fantasy team? Or would you trust the guy that was the hard-ass scold on Twitter, you know, if you needed to rely on somebody? Like, who, who, who would you think would be quicker to turn you in, quicker to turn on you? The guy who's just, you know, whatever, says whatever, or the guy who's very concerned that people are making the wrong kind of joke? You know, that guy's going to turn on me. I don't know what com- would compel someone to do that, man. I don't know. That is, but don't, you but know, don't you, I, isn't it obvious to you that they're trying to make you the bad person, but the guy always policing everybody to see who's good and who's bad that's the dangerous guy. That's the guy you gotta, you gotta be like, like, but it's obvious, right? So when you do that, you think you're doing one thing, but you're actually just outing yourself as the guy, the person who burned the witch at the stake, that it was very urgent to burn this woman because she's, she had bad views and she was into bad practice. You know, it was that mentality. It's the same mentality. It doesn't matter who the target is. The target changes over time. It's acceptable to be horrible to this person or it's acceptable to be horrible to that person. That will change. You know, based on the fashion. Oh, these people you can dump on now. And, but it's the person who's willing to just see like the little opening and like go for it. That's the person that's, that's dangerous. No doubt. I ridicule those nutless monkeys in my mind big time. No doubt. Yes. And, and every Agreed. smart person does, by the way. So if you're, if you're even thinking about it, you may like impress a bunch of losers, but like the people who have like any amount of wisdom look at you and they're like, what a shithead. <laughs> um, all right. So what? Week six time? You know, Liz, you were, uh, you were right about the two buys. Back in 1993, you pointed out to me, uh, and I apologize. I shouldn't have been so apologize. certain. I shouldn't have been so certain about that. What a douchebag um, you are. I, um, I know that got me thinking about, um, so what? I was 11 years old, um, but I was thinking that I actually what, – what was your first sports memory? Because mine was Kirk Gibson hitting that home run. Off uh, the Dodgers, uh, sorry, the off uh, Eckersley, yeah. off Eckersley, yeah. um, and he was hobbling around. I remember watching that, and that was 1988, so I was six years old. And I really remember the Bay uh, Bay Area series, you know, with the with the earthquake in 1990, sorry, 89, being life or death. So I was what seven years old. That I feel like that's young to me. Like that's Chloe's age right now, and she, you know, doesn't care at all about sports. So does that seem a little weird? Does it explain why you know my path in life if I was that crazy as a seven year old, or is that normal? I don't know if it's normal. I mean, Sasha watches games with me, but she doesn't really care. I mean, she she asks me questions, but she's not, you know, she's not really like watching it as a fan. How old were you though? Well, so I'm just looking at some. I was betting games with my grandfather. In 1977, uh, I was six, and we were betting 10 cents okay. a game, and he would let me just pick the game. It's funny, that's what I ended up doing as a job, like, you know, writing, beating the book and all of this. But, and even though I went to law school, I ended up doing that. But when I was six, he would let me pick the team, uh, no point spread, 
And so, of course, I was winning because I figured out after a little while, like, who was good. I'm sure he told me, like, who was better sometimes, too. And then one day, like, all the teams I picked lost. Like, it was just, like, one of those crazy upset days. And he was like, oh, you see, you know, this is a lesson to you or whatever. <laughs> anyway, he died. He died right after the last game we bet was the Super Bowl. And I wanted Dallas over Denver. But my dad was like, no, no, no Denver's going to win. So I picked Denver. I was 78. I was 7. I guess I was 7 at that point. And Dallas crushed them 27 to 10. I was pissed at my dad because uh, I had to pay like a quarter because of the Super Bowl to my grandfather. And then he died like a month later. So you have vivid memories of a seven-year-old. So, so, I, okay. so the games I remember were on November 24th. I think it might have been Thanksgiving, but different teams played then. But I don't know why. Maybe it wasn't. It was November 24th, 1977. I just looked it up. The Dolphins beat the Cardinals 55 to 14. My brother had the Dolphins in that game. He was like five, four. He was four. And uh, so he became a Dolphins fan. And then when Marino came in, he stayed a Dolphins fan. And I had the Bears who beat somebody that day. I think they beat the Lions 31 to 14. So we both won. And I remember watching Bob Greasy play in that game. That might have been the first. I also remember Reggie Jackson hitting three home runs in the World Series. I think that was October of 77. So was that 78 or 77 he hit the three home runs? I can't remember which year, but I think it was 77. Anyway, those are the earliest ones I can remember. All right. Well, maybe we're both crazy earlier. Maybe just these days, kids aren't into it as early. Um, but I got to get my son on this path. Well, the other, the other thing, the other thing is that you know my my dad was old, right? He was fifty when I was born. Yeah, my dad and, too. Oh, and, yeah. That's and he was born in nineteen twenty. My dad. So, my dad, when I was a kid, you know, we bought me baseball cards and football cards. We'd open them and talk about them. And he was telling me about Babe Ruth and Ted Williams, you know, because wow. he watched those right. guys. You know, I mean, right. Babe Ruth. You know, when he was seven, he was watching Babe Ruth. When he's in his twenties, he was watching Ted Williams, right? And so he's talking about like that kind of shit. So I already had like an interest in like baseball history and like all this stuff when I was a kid. But so I was always right. into sports. Totally. All right. Good stuff. All right. Let's run through week six. I feel like we should go five and zero oh this week. There are so many lines I like. Or do you not agree? I, I agree. I mean, it was a weird week. I, I was it's like, so I'm weird. Missing something. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Something was strange. But uh-huh. let's go quick. I'm having a shit. Well, you know, we're two and three, which. Is bad. I mean, we could still salvage it, but we have to just go on a monster. We have to go on a monster tear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bears plus two and a half of Panthers. I made it three. I took the Panthers. I'm not huge on it. Yep. Same here. Took Panthers, but we have other games. Lions minus three and a half of Jaguars. I took the Jaguars. I made this a pick 'em. I could use it, but Lions coming off a bye with Stafford. I would. I would table this one. Okay, if it's three and a half, though, let's definitely earmark this as a possibility, okay. though. Um, I'm fine, I'm yeah, fine I mean, if you want to use it. Yeah. I mean, I, I picked yeah. him. So. That last week, that game, they had a couple missed field goals, that weird oh. James Robinson play. I mean, they're, they're, they're an all right team, getting more than three at home against the Matt Patricia. Yeah. I w- I'm interested. There was no way I was going to take the Lions, put it that way. Uh, no. Okay, Falcons plus three and a half at Vikings. This is my best bet. I mean, three and a half. I made this line eight. The Vikings almost, they went toe-to-toe with Seattle, toe-to-toe with Tennessee, beat Houston on the road, like, Falcons are horrible. Why is this? I don't understand this. Yeah, Falcons have allowed the second most yards per play. Um, cool. It's your best bet. No problem here. We'll, we'll mark okay, them Vikings down. Using are, me. Okay. Yep. And then uh, Texans plus five and a half at the Titans. I took the Titans because it was so weird. It was five and a half this morning. And I was like, oh, but they haven't priced in the game from Tuesday night. And I was like, it's only going to go up to seven or something because they killed the Bills. And it went down to three. So I was like, I'm taking the, t- I had the Texans at four, but I'm like, this is going to go up to seven. I'm going to be pissed. So I took the Titans, but I don't really, you know, it's five day rest or whatever, but. What line did you use in staff picks? Five and a half. Okay. Okay. Cause that's what I sent you Texans last night. Cause I'd like to get it early, not worry about, you know, make sure you have it you know, and you're no, not no, chasing no. me around this Good, year. Yeah. Um, but uh, absolutely. I would have switched to the Titans if it was three. So yeah, I'm with you here. So this is a, a pass. I, I, don't understand, they, I understand why that line went down. It makes, I don't understand. Maybe that I, I was talking to Rufus about it though. He said, you know, maybe that wasn't a bettable line that, that yeah, five and a half exactly. is just like right. a placeholder. I mean, yeah, and they might be overrating just the short week or whatever. I mean, um, it, it does seem odd playing Tuesday. I'm like, how are they allowing them to do that? Until someone pointed out to me, they do have these things called Thursday night games. I'm like, oh, that's right. I guess it's not that yeah. crazy. No, it's, like, it's like um, having a Thursday, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. playing a Thursday night game. But one thing I, would, I want to note here quick is I heard you talking about how good Tannehill is, and we get you've given my CPOE or CPAE hard time, and I told you that's the one that it noted was the number one last year ahead of everyone. So it is interesting to note that they loved him, and he does look pretty legit. So just, just yeah. made that. 
that note in my yeah. head. So, but yes. just remember, YPA liked him too. <laughs> it's not sure. like you don't have to get too fancy to like see yep. the Tannehills yep. played well. No doubt. All right, football team plus three at Giants. I have the Giants, but I think it's probably the right line. Yeah, I, I switch this back and forth. Washington's defense is just so good, and I kind of worry about your guy Danny Dimes. But this is a stay away. Browns plus three and a half at the Steelers. This is like again, like this should be six or seven. I mean, Steelers are way better than the Browns, so easy one. Vegas Insider has it down to three right now, not even three and a half. So I, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I, I liked the uh, Peabody. I caught that segment. He was good points. Um, Rufus, uh, good points about um, what like the the Browns have basically gotten a lot of turnover luck, and when they played from behind, it's only been against the Ravens. So yeah, I don't like that team how they're built if they have to play from behind. Yeah, and, and Nick Chubb is there. I mean, to me, you know, people say running backs don't matter. That guy is just a beast. He just crushes and. He's I think good. I think he's he's going to be missed. Hunt's Ra- really good too. Yeah, yeah, Hunt's good too, but it's a different style. Ravens minus seven and a half at Eagles. I took the Eagles. I I didn't feel great about it, but uh, total sucker play here. I took the Ravens. I feel like this is another opponent they can bully. But yeah, that's a stay away. I know that that's not a sharp side to be on. Bengals plus eight at Colts. I kind of like the Bengals here. I'm not going to fight for it, but River sucks. I picked up the Browns defense last week in one of my NFFC leagues. It was such a good pickup. Like, Rivers sucks. Yeah, definitely not fighting for this because I would almost fight for the Colts. No DJ Reader. They'll run all over him. This, I get you that Rivers sucks, but they won't, he won't need to even make a play. It doesn't matter their receivers there. Their defense will just dominate poor Burrow here. I, I really like the Colts. I mean, I, I, I would consider it. It's one of my five favorite bets this week. So. Well, I'll, tell you we'll this, just, I'll also tell you this. Jonathan Taylor, Jerry Donabini was tweeting about this. He's like – out of like 34 running backs with a certain amount of carries, he's like 32nd in yards after contact. Like he just, he looks like Trent Richardson or Leonard Fournette, one of those guys that just is a great athlete, but like doesn't, I'm just not seeing it, man. I, I mean, it's you know, he just, he no, just, it's possible. He's not good. It's possible. I, I mean, yeah. we, you know, we, we're hoping for Adrian Peterson, but we might have Leonard Fournette. He's just like, it's like the guy's obviously <sighs> fast and big, but like you got to be able, you know, be a running back. And I don't know. And maybe he will be. All right. Broncos minus plus eight and a half at the Pats. It'll probably go up for the super contest. But I love the Pats here with Newton and Gilmore returning to practice. And if Taylor makes a Le'Veon Bell type leap, that does his fantasy manager no good this year. I hear you, man. That's annoying. Um, uh, ooh, uh, Patriots. Yeah, I'm not fading the Patriots here. Less, yeah, Newton back and less than 10 coming off a loss. Sure. Yeah. You like them a lot. You like them yeah, as a I think they're going to kill yeah. the Broncos. I mean, Drew Locke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, Drew Locke's back. Oh, great. It's going to go against that Patriots secondary. Good luck yeah. with that. Yeah, uh, sure. All right. So Jets plus eight and a half at Dolphins. I think it's up to nine and a half because I, I posted this before Flacco, before Darnold was ruled out. And I, Rufus had the Jets pl- uh, plus <laughs> six. I, you know, I, I don't want to touch this. I like the Dolphins, but I know it's kind of a sucker side buying them high here and who knows with, with you know Fitzpatrick consistent but I think their defense is sneakily kind of good especially against the pass they're vulnerable against the run and there's no way Frank Gore's gonna matter with that and Flacco and as I said last week I think they with Adam Gase this version doesn't meet the, like the threshold of an NFL level team I liked Arizona on the road go, last week go, giving seven points yeah so did I but they won't go in 16 against the spread I don't know I, if you want to fight for the Dolphins I would no that's fine that's fine I don't that's I didn't like this bit Okay, no problem. Packers minus one and a half at Bucks. I take the Packers, but it's a coin flip for me. Man, I kind of like the Bucks here. Their defense is so much better, and I faded Brady and them every week. Um, ah, I really like the Bucks in this one, but okay. So right. Rufus said if he took out his priors about the Packers and Bucks and just used this year's numbers, the Packers would be like minus three or something like that, two and a half or three or something. Yeah, the Packers are so good this year, you know, and it's like they're actually good. It's not just like. You watch them play. It's like an, a well-oiled machine. Yeah, you. I know you love DVOA, but the defense, Tampa Bay number two, Green Bay number 29, pretty big difference there. But I hear you. They're running all those pre-snap motions, which is important, getting a ton of protection. Rodgers has been hit the fewest by any quarterback. He looks awesome. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I shouldn't act confident going against a team that looks so good. But um, uh, I don't know. I kind of like if you want to fight for it, I'll use it. It wasn't one of my, I was. It was a coin flip for me. Man, I could. You see, I can't. That was a rude. I thought of Brady. Man, you see that they asked him. You know about that whole fourth down thing. And he he blamed it. On, he said he asked John. Uh, he, he asked uh, Jason Pierre Paul. Is what he said. Why would he ask Jason Pierre Paul? Oh, come on, come on, Liz. Come on. That, oh, that's what he blamed. Oh, him. I see. Because he has four fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 hey, three, don't he, has, yeah. he has three fingers. I see. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. That's good. Good joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't say that, though, yeah. did he? 
Yeah. Hey, Brady did not really do that. No, he didn't no, say no. that. Oh, I see. It's your joke. I see. I yeah, it's, it's my joke. Yes. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. Too I'm soon. Sorry. You're a horrible person. You're a horrible person. <gasps> oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. I am. That, this much is true. All right. What's next? I'm just in a bad mood because of this next game. The Niners have blown out. I mean, you got to go. Uh, oh, I need to fix this. But so I sorry if I I switched some deal recording a podcast earlier and apparently I'm getting dings of 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 messages in my ear. Hopefully you're not also. But I don't, I don't hear the Rams. Rams and 49ers, uh, Garoppolo, why is he playing if he can't, if he's that compromised, I guess, because the backups are that bad, but I'm probably, maybe I'm just going too much of as a Niner fan and upset, but I laid the Rams here. I, I, you know, it feels like the sharp move is to hold your nose and buy low with the Niners, but man, they have so many injuries and the Rams are so good. You know, defensively, they're quietly allowed the second fewest yards per play this year. So right. you, you went Niners. You went I went Niners. Niners. I, I don't, you know, of course I'm wary of it after they got destroyed at home by the Dolphins, but adjustments are made. Getting three and a half at home seemed like a good deal. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs minus three at Bills. I think it's gone up to like three and a half, even four, but I took the Bills. I made it two and a half. Uh, they got crushed last night and it'd be a short week for them, but they're home. And the Chiefs offensive line is in shambles. It's really bad. And uh, the Chiefs' defense didn't look very good against the Raiders. I think the Bills shouldn't. I think three is enough for me at home. I took Kansas City. Their past defense had been playing well. I know Carr looked good last week, but I'm not. This is a stay away for me. I, yeah, I'm I'm not, I mean, that's a this is a high fun game to watch or whatever. But I would not touch it betting wise. Cardinals minus two and a half at Cowboys. I took Dallas. Uh, I think this should have been like Cardinals plus three. I think Dalton is competent enough. The defense sucks, but the Cardinals aren't especially good. And to go on the road laying points, I was, it was an easy call for me to take the Cowboys. Yeah, I made it my best bet. Seems to me that's a t- way too many points for Dak Prescott. Uh, the Cardinals aren't any good. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, admittedly, the Cardinals with Dak Prescott could lose to the, to the Cardinals, no problem. But this just seems lines way off. They're at home. I know their defense is bad, but um, I made Dallas my best bet. now just asked me. On the pod right before this, what percentage downgrade are you are you hitting the Cowboys' uh, position skill position guys with with the quarterback change? What would your answer been? Five to ten, something like that. Nice, because I said ninety percent, whatever. So so ten percent, and he and well, he thought off, that was first I, off. I, it's going to help with, Zeke because Zeke is going to, I think, just be more involved as a runner. He's just going to have heavier workloads. I think they're going to protect Dalton a little more, and and also. You know, Dak rushes touchdowns, so that you know is actually takes. Away uh, I didn't from even everything. bring that aspect. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, that takes away from other people. No. Yeah, it's a yeah. Downgrade. I'm with you. The, lo- the loss of Dak may help hurt even more than 10 percent for Dallas, but fantasy wise, I said only 10 percent because yeah, it's still the carnival defense and all that. All right, you're with me there. Okay, yeah, cool. I don't, I don't see a big uh, difference. All right, so we got the Cowboys, we got the Vikings, we've got the Steelers, Patriots, and the Patriots. So we have one more. And we could do the Jaguars, or if you really wanted to fight for the Colts or the Dolphins Bucks, or yeah. the Bucks, that's fine. I don't really care. Bucks, Dolphins, yeah. So we'll give us fodder XM. I'll go on the show okay. tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we'll, not fin- gonna, we'll finalize it. Yeah, we'll finalize the fifth one. But I like those four quite a bit. There's some weird lines for sure, like the Steelers. Like, why is that? And not only that, it's moving down to even three right now. Like, what, what's going on there? There's some weird. And that Minnesota one, I thought, yeah, it was six and a half, and the Tennessee one, and the Dallas one. That doesn't necessarily at all mean we're going to be right, to be clear. But those rarely do as a week. Am I like five? Am I like, wow, that's off by four points or whatever? Yeah. And it just, you feel like you're missing something. And I, I was, that's yeah. why I like to talk to Rufus, who's crunching the numbers. And I'm like, okay, tell me why the Vikings should only be, you know, sometimes they'll be like, no, I have this as a pick. I'm going to be like, really? But he didn't. He was like, no, I, I agree. The Vikings should be a lot, you know, it's obvious. I mean, I don't quantify it specifically like he does, but I watch the games and I'm like, the Vikings are decent and have good players, and the Falcons are – I don't even know how good Matt Ryan is anymore, and they're falling apart. You know, it's, it's obviously not the same. Now, it doesn't mean they won't play better this week without their shitty coach they fired, but, but – yeah. I tried to warn you Minnesota's not bad. It went against the Texans you loved a couple weeks ago. Well, whatever, I thought they were but... going to do it. And they, yeah, you're right. And then – well, I took Minnesota last week against Seattle, so they, nice. they, yeah. they did that for me. Last thing I want to mention, and yeah. it's apropos to this podcast, is uh, Heather – Made me watch this. What's the Ricky Gervais show that he just did? Afterlife. Uh, Afterlife. Was mm-hmm. it Afterlife? Is that what it's called? Anyway, so mm-hmm. like his, his wife dies. That, mm-hmm. the show? Okay. Mm-hmm. So she made me watch the last episode of the last season. And one of the guys in it seeing this therapist who's basically, it's the same joke that we have. It's the real man joke. 
the, the therapist is just like saying some crazy shit to that guy. If, if your therapist were a real man, he's just like, I'm tired of these fucking sissies. Like, he's like, I'm going to start a podcast where I can, you know, he's just like, this guy's complaining about his wife leaving and he's basically like, just get over it. You fucking cow, you know, like, and it's exactly the real man advice. I, I don't, I don't know if you've seen that, but the, just, I have, I like that show. I, it's not perfect, but I was a fan of Ricky Gervais. I love Ricky Gervais. Does Heather like afterlife? Oh uh, yeah. She liked it, but she specifically was like, this therapist right. guy so, is, yeah, no, no, it's is so the funny. real man. He is the real man. That guy. Yes. No, total real man. He's hilarious. Yes. Yeah, totally. Like bad um, advice of just, you know, yeah. Anyway. That show has a lot of interesting heart, and uh, I, I liked it. It was two seasons after, like, Ricky Gervais is the man, dude. Not only does he – he's funny on Twitter, but he's the best host of anything ever when he attacks the celebrities. The British Office is a top five comedy of all time. Extras is a top ten comedy of all time. Life's Too Short, if you have not oh, seen Liam great. Neeson cli- yeah. clip of Life's Too Short, search that out right mm-hmm. now. Liam Neeson, Life's Too Short. It's like six minutes long. Um, even like Derek was it was a decent show. So I, I mean, Ricky Gervais is, is is the man. So with you there, and that the therapist is is really funny. I'm glad Heather had you watch that. Yeah, and uh, the Liam Neeson "Life's Too Short" skit is one of the best of all time. In of all time, just like that's full blown. Yeah, yeah, no, it is it is the the funniest. So oh, yeah. that's great, man. I, I, I like the Gervais talk. And the only thing I would recommend then for you is if if you haven't checked out the Werner Herzog answer, go on Twitter. And uh, he, he gets asked the question how many languages he speaks, and he gives a very real man answer. Werner Herzog, another yeah. great man, along with uh, Ricky Gervais. But good stuff, Liz, and um, yeah, we'll solidify our, our fifth pick on, on XM. I, a couple people have asked me why I don't post the Twix on picks on Twitter like I used to, but A, we're bad, and B, right, right. Uh, they're all done online, so it doesn't look as cool as like our card or whatever, and if you ask me, I'll tell you then, but if, and if we had got off to a, he- a heater, believe me, I would have been bragging about them, but who wants to hear our picks? I don't need to make those any more public than we do already. But Dude, uh, our 11 and 14 picks, come on, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the other thing uh, that I almost forgot, two things. One, rotowire.com slash pod, I think most of you are probably rotowire subscribers, but maybe not. Uh, you get free 10 days. You do not need a credit card. You don't have to pay. I was told by DJ, and I keep forgetting to just mention that, rotowire.com slash pod, free 10 days. You don't, have, we, you don't have to cancel anything. It's not one of these hassles. You just literally sign up, get everything, and then after 10 days, if you don't want to subscribe in earnest, that's it. And then the other thing is, know if it actually does anything, but it's nice if we get uh, good ratings. I guess reaches more people. I'm not sure exactly, but go ahead and on iTunes, uh, give it a rating if you feel like it. All right, man, that's it. Going to, uh, good luck this week. Yeah. Good stuff. Later, Liz.